name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anesti. The first Sunday after the glorious feast of the resurrection is called Thomas Sunday. And it's actually considered one of the minor, uh, the seven minor feasts of the church. And the gospel today was taken from John chapter 20. And in the gospel of today, it is written that the disciples, they were locked in the upper room and suddenly out of nowhere, the Lord appeared to them. And unfortunately for Thomas, he was not present when the Lord appeared. So when the other disciples, they saw the Lord and they reported that to him, he didn't believe. And he said, unless I see the hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then eight days later, all the disciples were in the same situation in the same room Then the Lord appeared again and said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Today, I want to meditate with you on the verse. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So I want to discuss with you some of the reasons that we are unbelieving. Why are we sometimes doubtful? Why do we oftentimes find ourselves lacking faith? And today I'd like to break down doubt into three major categories. The first one is emotional doubt. Emotional doubt. The second is intellectual doubt. And the third one is volitional doubt, and we'll talk about each one of those in more detail. The first one is emotional doubt, or intellectual doubt, sorry. Intellectual doubt. That's the one I want to start with. Because this type of doubt is the one we are, I think we're most familiar with. These days, we are taught in our school system and by our science and by education to have doubt And to be skeptical unless proven otherwise. We are asked to always like see evidence. We always want to see evidence before us. We are taught to make decisions based on probability and the chances. And things with low probability, you should doubt those things. Things with greater probability are more likely to occur. And we always ask, what are the chances that this would occur? And the idea that I want us to to feel comforted with is that many people in the Bible, they had intellectual doubt. For instance, Thomas in the gospel of today, he said, unless I see his hands and print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails, I will not believe. He had some sort of intellectual doubt about this resurrection and what how it occurred. But Thomas isn't the only person in the gospel that had intellectual doubt and was thinking, what are the chances that the Lord rose from the dead? And what are the chances that he came into a room that was locked? These chances are so like negligible. There's no way this could happen. I need to see it. I need to, I need to experience it. Abraham, 
the model of faith. Someone we say, Abraham, the model of faith, actually he, he, he suffered or he was plagued with intellectual doubt. Even in Genesis chapter 17, when the Lord changed the names of Abraham and Sarah, and the Lord was telling him, you will have a son, a child of promise. And the Lord told him that Sarah would, uh, that the Lord would bless Sarah and give Abraham a son by her. And that she, that Sarah will be a mother of nation and a king of peoples shall be from her. It says that Abraham fell on his face and laughed in his heart and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? This is the, the probability, the chances are not likely. There, it's, it's, not, it's not possible. It's not within like what we've seen from my past experiences. The beautiful thing is that God understands that we have limited understanding. That we are skeptical people. And for that reason, He has given us many reasons to believe in Him. And He gave Abraham and Isaac the evidence that He needed. <laughs> and, and truly, Sarah bore a son. Despite even Sarah having her own issues with intellectual doubt in the next chapter when she laughed when the visitors came to visit Abraham. And Thomas was given the evidence that he needed. And I believe that the Lord has given us all. He has given us all the evidence that we need to believe in him and to remove this intellectual doubt. We are blessed to have the experiences of these holy men. And Thomas's doubt was on our behalf. When you doubt the resurrection, you should think of Thomas. And Thomas's doubt was for you and for each person. We're so blessed to have the knowledge and the experience of not only Sarah and Thomas. We have the knowledge of Hannah. We have the knowledge of Manoah and the wife of Manoah bearing, uh, bearing Samson. We have the knowledge and the experience of what happened to the Theotokose Mary, how she bore a child without knowing a man. We have the knowledge and the experience of the whole Bible to show us not to be an intellectual doubter. The Lord has shown us time and time again that He is God, that He is the Creator, and that His words are true, and He's not limited by probability and chance. So we actually, we can believe actually in the Lord without having this intellectual doubt. Because the Lord has shown us time and time again that He is, He can do what He says. He is the creator of all. Sometimes I have an issue with this concept of blind faith. Oh, we just accept everything blindly, blindly, blind. And while it's true in some sense, it's not true in another sense. It's not true in the sense that God has made our faith so tangible for us to see. That's why the Lord came and took flesh. So that we could see the Lord Jesus Christ. And He did signs and wonders in front of us. So that we could remove this idea say we don't have a reason to believe. No, we have every reason to believe. 
The Lord is the, the, the Logos. He's the source of wisdom. And because He is the source of reasoning, He has given us reason to believe. And He has removed from us this intellectual barrier. And now, what I think we can mean by blind faith is now, based on the reason of my faith that I have in God, now I can be trust in God blindly. That's what we mean by blind faith. Now, because I know of the experience. I have knowledge and I have, I know what God has done in the past. Now I can have blind faith in God and trust that He will do the best for me. That is the type of convincing even that St. Paul, he did in the Acts of today. Today, St. Paul in the Acts, he was, it was about him going to Athens and preaching to those who were Stoic philosophers and the Epicureans. And he showed them, he said, God is the one who made the heaven and the earth. He said, it's it's beyond reason to think that these things that you make with your hands, that they can be gods. He appealed to their sense of their intellectualism and proved to them that God is something beyond just the making of the hands. So to close this point, if you have intellectual doubts about God, please seek answers to your questions. Read the works of the famous apologists. And I don't just mean the apologists of our time, the Lee Strobels and the and and all the the famous apologists and the C.S. Lewis. Actually, our whole church, the church fathers are full of apologetics. And from the beginning, they were showing without doubt that God is, is true and removing this intellectual barrier. The second type of doubt that I want to speak to you about is emotional doubt. Emotional doubt. And although this type of doubt is not intellectual, it has a huge effect on the intellect. And much of our intellectual doubt could actually maybe stem from emotional doubt. Our emotional doubt tends to be more personal. For example, a traumatic experience can cause someone to have emotional doubt in God. A family who loses a, li- a loved one will undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly face emotional doubt in God. Cruelty in the world. When we hear of the murders, when we hear of the plagues, when we hear about the violence, when we hear about the unrest, when we hear about poverty, when we hear about people taking advantage of us and being so cunning and it feels like you can't trust anyone and everyone is trying to rip off everybody else. The impulse that we get from all of these thoughts is to have emotional doubt in the goodness of God. And the cure for this emotional doubt is not apologetics or is not the reasoning of the intellect. The people who are suffering from emotional doubt in God, what they need is a hug. They need an embrace. They need to experience that God still loves them, that God is still by them, that he cares for them, that he is standing by with them. Another form of emotional doubt is emotional doubt that's driven by fear. That's driven by fear. The fear of uncertainty of the future, the fear of future challenges. This can cause us to have self-doubt, to have doubt in ourselves, and for us to have doubt in God. 
In Matthew chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ, he appeared to the disciples at night and the disciples were scared. And St. Peter asked, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. So the Lord said to him, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat and he was walking on the water, He started to see the winds and the waves were boisterous and he became afraid and he started to begin and sink. And when he cried out to the Lord, he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And the question I want to ask for you, to you, all of you, is why did St. Peter doubt? St. Peter doubted, as was mentioned in the, in, the, in the scripture, that he suffered from emotional doubt. He saw the winds, he saw the waves, so he got scared. And I'm sure that if he could have, he would have ran back right into the boat and said, Oh, enough of this, I'm, I'm sinking. But he started to sing. I think all of us have been called to do something very wonderful. Each one of us has been called out onto the water. If you like the song Oceans, maybe you could sing the the ocean song to yourself. God has called us out upon the water to do something marvelous. But sometimes we become scared. We start to have doubts, self-doubt, and we start to have doubt in God. And then we want to hide away. This is what happened to Moses, actually. When Moses was called to come out onto the water, so to speak, actually, he had lots of self-doubt. He suffered from this emotional doubt of being afraid. And the Lord cured his emotional doubt to himself by maybe the burning bush. The burning bush, now like... Moses saw it, and if he had any intellectual doubt about the bush, he said, no, now I believe that this is this is a weird scene. God is speaking to me from a bush, and this bush is not consumed. So it took away his intellectual doubt. And then even the Lord gave him signs to say, when you go back to Egypt, you see the staff that's in your hand? Throw it, and it will become a serpent. And then he said, I'll give you another sign. If they don't believe... He says, put your hand in your in your bosom and it'll come out leprous. And then put it in your bosom again and it'll come out normal. So the Lord was trying to take away their intellectual doubt. But then Moses had something deeper. He had emotional doubt. He had emotional doubt. And... And then he went on to say, after the Lord said, you could do, put the hand in. And then if they still don't believe you, if these people still have intellectual doubt, turn the Nile River, like the water of the Nile River into blood. And so the Lord gave them all these signs to remove doubt. But Moses, after all of this, he said, oh Lord, I am not an eloquent man. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but now I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And this made the Lord very 
very like upset. Why? Why are you asking me, Moses? Why do you have doubt in yourself? Why are you doubting me? And the Lord said, who made man's mouth? Or make, who makes him mute? The deaf to see or the blind to see? Have I not, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you will say. But then Moses again, he was so overcome by this emotional doubt. He said, oh Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Like, I, I don't want to do this. I can't come out to the water anymore. And then it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And because the idea is when God calls us to a service, it is not time for self-doubt. It is not time for fear. It is not a time for laziness. It's a time for us to walk upon the water. Cast your fear on him. That's in, in both cases when Peter was drowning and the Lord said, and he said to the Lord, save me. It says the Lord just stretched out his hand. That means that actually he was very close to the Lord. The Lord is standing right next to him. And the same was true for Moses. Moses said, I don't have a mouth. The Lord said, I will be your mouth. I'm right there with you. I will give you strength and power. So take away this self-doubt. Trust in God. Walk upon the waters. The last type of doubt that I want to speak to you about is called volitional doubt. This type of doubt is characterized by choosing to doubt even when one does not have reasonable cause. This is the type of doubt of the hard heart. The hard heart. The heart that is not receptive to the word of God. And unfortunately, this type of doubt is actually the most prevalent in our society now. It's the type of doubt that Pharaoh had. Pharaoh had so many signs and saw so many wonders to believe in God. But despite all of the evidence saying God exists, let these people go, do all these, he refused. This is the type of doubt that the Pharisees had. Like if we read the story of the blind man, when the Lord cured the blind man, the Pharisees doubted this miracle from the beginning, despite the evidence to the contrary. And they tried to say, oh, this man, is this the blind man? And they said, no, maybe it's someone who looks like him. It's not really the blind man. We doubt that this is the actual man. So they brought in the parents. And then the parents said, no, nope, this is the one. So where's your doubt, Pharisees? And then the Pharisees said, hmm, okay, this is the one. But we know that this man is a sinner. And then I love the reply of the blind man. He said, whether this is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that I was blind, but now I see. And then he goes on or after that. And he says, now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does the will, does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
So even though all the evidence was pointing toward the fact that this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a holy man, he is righteous, he is the Son of God, because of their hardness of heart, they still doubted. Remember earlier I was talking to you about blind faith and how yani, we don't really have like blind faith. Our faith is bound in reason and we have good faith, reason for our faith. The, the same is true about this blind obstinance that, that is prevalent here in this doubt. That just no matter what happens, no matter what occurs, we still have doubt. This is the type of doubt that's mentioned in Luke chapter 16 with Lazarus and the rich man. When the rich man, when he was in, in Hades and he was suffering, he said, please, Father Abraham, go tell my brothers so that they can turn and live. And Father Abraham said something very nice. He says, but if someone were to rise from the dead and go... Or even, they said, the father Abraham replied, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone were to rise from the dead. So despite all the evidence, to the contrary, we still can't, they still won't believe. The cure for this type of doubt actually is nothing other than prayer and time and, and needs constant watering. And constant messages, and constant reminders, and constant exposures to the facts, to the intellect, to the emotion. It needs lots of hugs. It needs lots of... To convert this type of person into a believer is very tough. But through prayers, it can be done. Today, I want us to cast out all our doubts. I want us to take away all our doubts. I want us to have belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. No room to have intellectual doubt. No room to have emotional doubt. No room to have this doubt beyond that is so stubborn. We need to move away from this. Remember that the Lord said at the beginning, He said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. These are the ones who believe on the belief of other people. Let's have this belief. Let's be like the father of the epileptic, ma- the, 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 the father of the son, the father of the son who was suffering from epilepsy and the Lord was trying to heal him and the father said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, help my doubt, take away my doubt. Today, all of us, we want to have this prayer. We all want to put our hands into the, 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 the nails of the Lord Jesus Christ and cast away our doubt. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.